sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. With so many myths and misconceptions out there about breastfeeding, how's a new mom or even a seasoned mom to know what is evidence-based breastfeeding information or just completely misguided fabrication? Today we continue our series, Breastfeeding Myths and Misconceptions, with this episode focusing on supply. Since this is one of my favorite topics, I will be your expert on this series because I just couldn't pass it up. So this is The Boob Group, episode 101. We're talking about breastfeeding myths and misconceptions about supply. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Have you signed up for our weekly newsletter yet? Best thing about it? You can have each new Boob Group episode delivered straight to your inbox every week. That way you will never miss your next favorite episode, so sign up today on our website. Today, I'm joined by three lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? I'm Stacey Spensley. I'm 31 years old. I am a certified holistic health coach, and I have one son who is 14 months old. All right. And I'm Chelsea Powell, and I am 27. Sorry, I had to think. I'm used to saying things in months. And, um, I work as an administrator, and I have one son who is 11 months. I was just thinking, I can't believe he's going to be a year old. Holy cow. Okay. Oh, my gosh. And our and our next lovely panelist. Uh, my name is Angela Cable. I'm 31. I'm a Montessori teacher. I have twins who are six-month-old. Um, Reed and Abby. Awesome. All right. And MJ, would you like to introduce yourself as well as our virtual panelist program? Yes, I'm MJ. I am 37. Um, my son is going to be three in June. We are still nursing. And um, besides being a stay-at-home mom, I get to um, have the honor of being producing this show and helping other moms. Um, one of my jobs is the virtual panelist program. So while we're uh, recording, there's a way for you out there to join our conversation and be a part of the show, even if you can't be in the studio, because um, we post the same questions as our in-studio panelists are answering. Um, so it's a way to share your experience, your opinions, or give tips. Uh, moms are engaging and supporting each other with tips and advice or and just empathy. Just nice to know that you're not alone. Um, and we may even read your comment while we record. 
It's kind of a sneak preview of our show before it releases. We'll post uh, tips and info as our experts give it. And um, it's really just an extension of our show supporting each other. So check out theboobgroup.com under the community tab for more info on the VP program and possible perks for participation. All right. Thanks, MJ. Yes. (coughs) Sounds familiar. (coughs) If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So before we get started, we're going to talk about an article that's been going around the internet recently. And this one was titled, Breastfeeding at Infant Sleep, Are Babies Who Wake to Breastfeed at Night Trying to Delay the Birth of a Sibling? So apparently there was a new article published online today in the, or a couple days ago, about the, in the journal called Evolution, Medicine, and Public Health, and where um, Professor Haig argues that infants that wake frequently at night to breastfeed are delaying the resumption of the mom's ovulation and therefore preventing the birth of a sibling with whom they would have to compete with. Um, And so it has been documented that smaller gaps between the births of siblings are associated with increased mortality of infants and toddlers, especially in environments where resources are scarce and where infectious diseases um, are high. And so this professor believes that the benefits of delaying this are such that selective forces are strong enough to have engendered a significant evolutionary response. So ladies who still breastfeed in the middle of the night, (laughs) which many of you are, um, do you think that your child is trying to delay um, the birth of a sibling? Stacy, what's Ivor doing? He he wakes up an awful lot at night. I think he, <laughs> my friend was was complaining about a four month sleep regression, saying her daughter was waking up three times. And I was like, only three? <laughs> I was like, he's still waking up more than that. So I think he definitely resources are not scarce at our house. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah, he probably knows that I can only keep up with him right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. How about you, Chelsea? Um, I I think there's so many factors in in all of that, and to say like something just so blatantly um I don't really I don't personally adhere to that because I'm like well there's so many factors for the mom and for the baby and their environment like they were talking about where resources are and obviously we live in a place where resources tend to be abundant and um I just think it kind of probably depends on the baby and what the baby's going through and the mom and I know something you've talked before about and we'll probably talk about today is um, in regards to breastfeeding, is it has to do with the storage capacity for moms, too, which would definitely affect that and might not be the baby thinking, like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, keep a sibling from coming, but the baby's <laughs> just like, I want milk. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of factors. Exactly. Angela, you are saying growing babies. So yeah. 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 Um, Abby and Reed don't wake up too much in the middle of the night, so um, they've been really great night sleepers. So the night feedings haven't been too much for me. 
but they still they still are nursing a lot though yes. otherwise all right cool well thanks ladies I thought that was an interesting an interesting article and I, I would be very curious to read the research that um, that was behind it because I kind of just think babies like to eat in the middle yeah. of the night as well so <laughs> they want their mom I always exactly. I always just say that that my son is really concerned that he's been left under a bush for mountain lions and so he wakes up a lot to double check that we haven't left him behind yeah exactly he's very very concerned yeah about they that. just need some snuggles in the middle of the night sometimes exactly. don't we all yeah. uh, we do, exactly. we do. <laughs> all right thanks ladies So today on the Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding myths and misconceptions with a special focus on milk supply. So for months, we have been collecting all of the misinformation and bad advice you have received since you started breastfeeding. So let's just say the list was staggering, um, so much that we really had to make an entire series because we couldn't fit it all into one episode. So... And one thing just to kind of plug is that if you feel like you've heard um, a very interesting breastfeeding myth or misconception that you would like us to bust on another episode, please post it on our Facebook page and we will add it to our ongoing list. So myth number one was from Sheena. And Sheena said that the myth that she would like to bust was that big breasts equal lots of milk and small breasts equal low or no supply. So if any of you could have a vision, a view into this room today, you would see that there are a multitude of breast sizes in this yeah. <laughs> And that that clearly is not the case. Um, so according to Nancy Moorbacher, who has been um, an expert on our show multiple times, she has this amazing infographic on her website. And it says that breast size is determined by the amount of fatty tissue in your breast and storage capacity is determined by the amount of room in your milk-making glands. So some moms with very large large breasts can actually have a low milk supply and some moms with small breasts can produce enough to feed a small village. And so if the storage capacity is small, meaning, for example, a breast can hold maybe one and a half ounces per side, that might mean that a baby needs to feed more frequently over a 24-hour period compared to a mom's whose storage capacity is higher. Then both babies are able to get all that they need as long as they're breastfeeding on demand. So you had mentioned, Chelsea, that kiddo feeds throughout the night and so what do you think or, i think or, that I was, Stacey actually, was Stacey, actually yeah but what were you, chelsea you you were saying though also that your little kiddo was feeding quite frequently as well yeah he i mean he basically for the first six months it was and we were um stacy and i came in the same car and we were kind of talking about it on the way over is that the other day for the first time in his entire life when I like offered him milk he like decided he wanted to play instead ah. and I was like this is weird like because <laughs> literally his entire life up until now all he's ever wanted to do was to eat like yeah. you offer it even if he just nursed he's like yeah give give me more you know? <laughs> all right myth number two is from Jennifer on Facebook and she wanted to bust pumping output is is equal to the same amount that your baby can get directly from the breast. So, ladies, um, before I kind of bust this myth, when you compare what your baby can take at, say, like a support group, if you've ever measured how much your baby's taking, and you compare that to pumping, do you find a discrepancy at all? Um, Angela, do you? Um, well, actually, I am, I'm not a big pumper at ah, all. That's so okay. we're just completely exclusive um, breastfeeding. So That's um, awesome. But for the few times that I have had a lactation consultant out to the house, um, it's like five or six ounces, um, pretty regular. So that's so that's that's awesome. How about you, Stacy? Have you noticed a discrepancy in pumping compared to what your kiddo can take? Yes, but the opposite way is I actually have a raging oversupply, and so I have in fact pumped. I have been pumping 
feeding my nursing all day and then pumping an extra 18 ounces a day for most of the year. So he's definitely not eating that much. There was one growth spurt where I didn't have to pump for three days and I was like, holy crap, kid, <laughs> you're eating a lot of milk. But I mean, he, you know, but if he takes a bottle, he only takes, you know, five ounces max and I'm pumping way more than five ounces at once. Yeah. So, so. definitely a discrepancy. Absolutely. Have you noticed a discrepancy in all in your pumping output? For me, I think um, kind of what's going on in my life affects more of what I can get pumping yep. versus like if you're sitting there with your kid, it's a little bit different. Your stress level kind of changes. Absolutely. Um, usually when I pump, I pump about ex- the exact amount that he would need if I was, you know, away from him for that period of time for a bottle. Um, but I do know for sure if I only try to pump one side, not a drop will come. I Maybe have both. to double pump or nothing. And obviously, he, you know, can only eat from one side at a time, so it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and to kind of bust that myth, so most moms, most moms um, <laughs> will actually pump less than what their babies can take out while breastfeeding. Um, other moms will find that they actually can't even let down for the pump. So like you were mentioning, Chelsea, if both, if you're not pumping both sides, your your body almost gets stage fright. Like, I don't know what to do with this thing. It's literally like one drop comes down and you're like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that can really affect a mom's output as well. Um, sometimes the body doesn't respond to the pump. Sometimes the pump's uncomfortable. The suction can also not be as strong as the babies and we don't want to jam up that suction super high on the pump but with a baby's suction um it's not as uncomfortable oftentimes and so or it shouldn't be definitely um also pump malfunction a lot of times moms will think well i'm not pumping as much all of a sudden there must be something wrong with my supply and actually it's just you needed to replace maybe the little membrane or the tubing got a little funky and so you need to replace the tubing and so Definitely the pump does, is not an indicator of a mom's supply. Um, and some moms can pump more um, than a baby's taking because she has an oversupply. And, for example, Ivor probably would never need 10 ounces at a feeding. He'd probably drink um, it. He'd but probably he drink it, but he'd be very <laughs> sick. Yeah, exactly. So I love the Jay Gordon quote of um, pumping Pumping just tells doesn't tell you how much milk you have. It tells, me how, tells you how much milk you can pump. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. such a good quote. Absolutely. All right, myth three was from Laura on Facebook, and her myth was that she wanted us to bust was, when babies frequently nurse, it means you have a low supply. And so, again, I know everyone's shaking their head, absolutely not. Um, So this goes back to kind of the Nancy Moorbacher infograph, actually, or infographic um, about storage capacity. So when a mom has a smaller storage capacity, her baby might need to feed more frequently throughout the day or night. So no night weaning for this little one, and this little one probably needs to feed in the middle of the night. When a mom has a larger storage capacity, her baby may only need to take one breast per feeding and may actually sleep longer stretches at night. Both babies still have that same chance of gaining the same amount of of weight per week as long as mom is feeding on demand and baby is effectively breastfeeding. So for those little babies that frequently nurse, um, definitely does not equal low milk supply. And for all of you who've ever been through a growth spurt, you know that that is definitely not the case. All right, so myth number four is from Sandy on Facebook, and she posted, it is difficult to know if your baby is getting enough when breastfeed, uh, from breastfeeding because you can't measure the milk um, like you would in a bottle. So panelists, how many, ha- have you ever felt insecure about how much your baby's getting since you actually can't measure it every time, and what did you do to maybe help yourself feel more secure? Um, have you ever felt insecure about your supply at all? Um, I guess a little bit, but it's more of just their behavior is and their response if, if they've gotten enough or if they've not, and also I mean, how full I feel. So <laughs> yeah, so t- 
tell us about your twins. So when they when they've taken a good feeding, what what's their behavior looking like? Um, well, now even that they're bigger, they still kind of you know they just kind of space out a little bit after mm-hmm. they've eaten. So they we always um just eat, play, and then sleep later. So they just kind of sit there and you know maybe sit on their little lounger that they have and just kind of relax for a while after they've eaten. And it always shows me that they've gotten a really good meal. Cool. How about how about you, ladies? Have you Stacy? Have you ever been? Worried about your supply at all? I well, I was actually the yeah. first week, and that's that's why I came to see you, Robin, because I because all the information I was getting was you know everybody's worried about their supply, and so I thought he wasn't eating long enough, and so I thought he wasn't getting enough when he was actually getting plenty very that's quickly. That's a good point. So a lot of so everything I looked up online was I thought he was a sleepy baby, you know all this stuff. He was just done eating, yeah. and so what helped was going to see you, and we weighed him. And then you can see how much he ate, yeah. at least approximately. And so then, you know, that was really helpful. Just be, And then I also went to your breastfeeding support group for a very long time, and he didn't nurse at it after he was four months old because he was too distracted. Yeah. But I always, but then I could at least see about how much he was taking in. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Chelsea? Yeah, I think for me early on, I was kind of, I was concerned about it because I was just concerned about it all in general because we had a rough start and he had problems. Not, he wasn't losing weight, but he had that, like, period of time there where he kind of mystified you in the fact that he was like when we weighed him after he nursed he had gotten enough and he had the diapers like the things that you're supposed to have but he just wasn't quite like gaining he wasn't working quite hard enough to like get past a certain point and so at that time I was kind of worried about it because I'm like what's happening um and you know you're just trying to figure it all out and you're looking at the signs that you're supposed to be looking for but um I think once it just kind of we were just working on things and um, we would go to the support group and we could weigh before and after he ate it just kind of helped ease my mind like okay this is all starting to go as it should and to be able to then relax and know like okay we're we're doing this it's going good now okay I don't need to stress about this anymore awesome well and it you mentioned I mean it bringing up it can be very very stressful absolutely so kind of all the signs that you all were talking about knowing what those signs are can be super helpful so I think the most important thing for moms to know um, is what normal weight gain looks like and so Stacy you were mentioning you know your your kiddo was feeding maybe five or ten minutes and so he looked like the sleepy baby but then when we weighed him you could see he was actually getting enough so you know weight gain for a zero like a two-week-old to a four-month-old you're really looking at about four to seven ounces a week to kind of let us know that your baby is is usually getting enough at a feeding um and then it actually drops from four to six months to about three to five ounces per week and then it drops down even lower once they get to six months and we're literally six months and beyond we're looking at two to four ounces a week and that's because we don't want 30 pound one-year-olds i mean babies eventually need to slow down a little bit and so um so when you know that they're gaining weight and even if you know whether you're going to a support group or you're popping by your pediatrician's office maybe just once a month if you're if you're feeling a little insecure that can be really helpful um we're also looking for lots of peas and poops and granted Poops can sometimes be kind of hard because after a couple, <laughs> no pun intended, um, but a couple, you know, a couple months into it, some babies actually stop pooping so frequently. So that doesn't necessarily mean, <laughs> well, I, when they don't, poop, I know, <laughs> except they get really gassy though. So I, I actually, I would prefer, as a lactation consultant, I would prefer babies to poop much more frequently than once a, every couple days because they can get really uncomfortable when it's kind of backed up in there. But, you know, lots of peas and poops, especially in the first couple weeks is what we're looking for. Um, But like you all mentioned, heading to a support group and weighing before and after feedings can be really helpful to help kind of reduce your stress to know what your baby's taking in. However, Stacey brings up a very important point that once your baby hits about four months old, support groups 
aren't always the most accurate way to find out because babies are very interested in everything else that's going on at the group. So, But you can use them to track them week to week or month by month, and that will kind of help give you that confidence as well. Um, and then, you know, for a, if you're feeling really, really nervous about it, you could always rent a scale for a few days and weigh, weigh your baby before and after feeding um, the scales at places like Babies R Us and Target that you can purchase yourself are not really accurate enough to do the weigh, feed, and weigh again. You really need something that like a lactation consultant would have or most pediatricians' offices would have these more digital ones. Um, but they can be helpful for trending week to week if you wanted to purchase one. So again, if you're not near a support group or you don't have the time to go to one, you could use these to kind of trend and see how baby's doing. So um and then if breastfeeding hasn't been going well, or ha I'm sorry, if breastfeeding has been going well, you can look at, you know, your baby's behavior, just like Angela was saying, like a well-fed baby who suddenly isn't eating enough will often protest and get frustrated. So if you're getting those really calm babies, still kind of milk drunk even, yeah, at six months old, there's a good chance that baby's taken enough, so... All right, and our last myth before we jump to a break, myth number five is from Ashley on Facebook, and this is what she wanted busted. If you have an efficiently nursing baby, your supply should always meet his or her need. And so this is a really difficult one. Um, for moms who have a low supply due to, for example, insufficient glandular tissue or hypoplasia, um, thyroid conditions, endocrine condition, conditions, um, autoimmune disorders, history of breast surgery, just to name a few, sometimes mom's supply it has a really difficult time reaching baby's need even if the baby has the most effective suck ever and so obviously the more effective a baby suck the better mom's supply will be regardless of any situation um, so it's always worth it to make an attempt to help baby to become more effective if possible but um, we also have to take a look at mom's medical history physical anatomy to see whether she has the capability to bring in that full supply to meet her absolute baby's need um, we also have a ton of ba uh, boob group episodes about this topic where moms describe doing everything possible, ranging from taking herbs. Um, some moms will take prescription medication, um, pumping and supplementing at the breast, um, and those who are still unable to bring in a full milk supply. So you can always check out our, our other episodes on this topic. But the main thing I like to focus on is that every drop of breast milk is hugely significant to a baby's well-being and immune system. So even if a mom is needing to supplement, every bit that she's able to give her baby is super, super important. So... All right. Well, when we come back, we will continue to discuss all of these myths and misconceptions. So we will be right back. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. We are talking about breastfeeding myths and misconceptions about milk supply. So our myth number six um, is from Andrea on Facebook, and this is what she posted. Um, when breasts are no longer engorged that it means that I am not making enough milk. Ladies, have you ever felt that you are not engorged or not full and you put your baby on or babies on and all of a sudden the gulping is just crazy incessant? So yeah, Angela, when have you noticed this before? All the time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, every every day. I mean, usually that early afternoon feeding where I'm like, oh, are you sure it's time to eat? Okay. And then I put them on and it's a huge letdown. Like, Awesome. I know. I just love that. I mean, sometimes you just have no idea what your breasts are capable of doing. Chelsea, how about you? Have you noticed that? Yeah, all the time. I mean, I think I only get engorged now, really, if he's slept a lot longer at night than he normally does. Mm -hmm. Then I wake up and I'm kind of like, oh. But otherwise, throughout the day, it's like... 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Stacy? I think when he was when he was about three or four months old, I started. It made. I mean, I knew I had enough milk, but it was still make. It was just weird because it's like, are are you hungry? I can't. I can't tell. Mm-hmm. Like you have to tell me that you're hungry yeah. instead of like my because I would have to wake him up at night to feed him because yeah. I'd be so engorged. And so when I didn't get engorged all the time, it was just like it was weird. Yeah, like something was wrong. I mean, he he was still gaining, okay, so I wasn't super nervous, but it just made it still was just a weird feeling. Yeah, absolutely. MJ, one of our virtual panelists, wanted to share something. Yeah, so I didn't post all of the myths, but I picked, um, I think, about six of them. And so this one, um, Vanna Castro said, uh, "I didn't know this was false. I'm glad it got posted. Uh, past two days might have not been big or hard like they have been um, in the beginning. She's going on three months now of exclusively breastfeeding. She's not stressing over it anymore." more and also um jamie i'm gonna butcher your name i'm sorry katalafu uh she said i'm going on three weeks and they don't feel engorged anymore i thought i was drying up so yay yeah that's (laughs) a huge myth i mean we get moms in support group all the time who will come in and say like i'm nervous because we went through that growth spurt and now all of a sudden my breasts don't feel full anymore and we're like well your body doesn't really want your nature doesn't want your body to be in a permanent state of engorgement and so you know that time period it it can be longer most moms will feel engorgement really like three to seven days postpartum where they feel heavy and full and but a lot of that engorgement has to do with excess fluids you know and your body just like why all of a sudden do I have all these extra fluids and what do I do with it Um, and so one of the things I tell moms in the beginning too is well check your ankles and your wrists too because if they're swollen and your breasts are swollen too, it's probably edema or fluid. And so once all of that swelling has gone down, most moms will just find that they get engorged if their kids sleep a little bit longer. Or I remember going to a concert when my son was, I think, I think he was like three months old. And I didn't obviously bring a pump with me to the to the concert. Um, and so when I got home, I was like, oh, my gosh, these things are up to my neck. Like, they had not been that big in a while. And it was just because he was regularly draining them. And so it was they didn't really have a chance to really fill up. So, you know, if baby's feeding frequently and efficiently, then that fullness should subside um, unless you go for that longer stretch. So it doesn't mean you're losing milk. It just means your body's working like a well-oiled machine. So... Exactly. All right. So myth number seven is from Selena. And she posted, um, when babies choke and sputter while breastfeeding, it means that mom has an oversupply and should start block feeding. And so this is a really important myth that I I wanted to really bust, as well did um, as many of my lactation consultant friends who saw that posted as well. Um, Sometimes that can be the case. Um, For example, if a baby is gaining a pound a week um, and when feeding from both sides and has green poops and lots of gas, then possibly. Um, But it's always really good to check with a lactation consultant first. And why is because sometimes coughing and choking can be due to either an overactive milk ejection reflex. Um, Oftentimes that that coincides with an oversupply, but sometimes it doesn't. And um, or it could also be an indication of a tongue tie, um, which both of those are not an indication to start block feeding. Um, Block feeding when a mom just has an overactive letdown or if a baby has a tongue tie could actually cause the baby to slow down in weight gain and could actually tank a mom's milk supply. So with overactive letdown, you know, which AKA forceful letdown, you often um, have spraying, gushing, (laughs) and um, can often be um, associated with an oversupply, but not always. So first we try to accommodate the baby uh, to help manage the flow. So mom can lean back, we can try side lying and just baby just lets the milk just drip out the side of his mouth. Um, You can have the baby sit more upright. Um, One of my favorites is actually pressing down on the top of mom 
mom's breast um, to kind of block the upper ducts and just let the lower ducts, um, the underside part, let down. And so we're just telling half the breast, like, okay, just wait your turn. So we kind of put the put the yellow light on the top ducts and the green light on the bottom ducts. And then after about a minute, you let go. And the, re- the top part of your breast now gets the green light and it can let down. So it shouldn't cause plugged ducts, but what it does is it just helps kind of slow down the flow a little bit. Um, and then also having baby, you know, pause to burp and stuff like that. Um, tongue ties can often sound like a mom has an oversupply with all that coughing and sputtering and choking, but really baby's having a challenging time keeping up with the flow, um, even if it's not that fast. And so these babies take in a ton of air, seem super gassy, pop off frequently while feeding, drop milk maybe out of the sides of their mouth sometimes, but that's not usually because there's an excessive amount of milk um, because baby's actually not gaining an excessive amount of weight either. So block feeding would actually crash this mom's milk supply. So it's always it's good to know what's the cause of all the coughing and sputtering and not just to immediately assume it's an oversupply. So, all right, myth number eight is from Tasha, and what she posted was that a mom doesn't have enough milk for her baby in the first few days before that fuller milk comes in. So, did any of you feel like those first couple days, and Stacy, you actually already kind of alluded to it, that um, maybe you didn't have enough milk in the beginning? I, I will say I went my, this is not to be snarky, but I went my entire pregnancy with no stretch marks and I got stretch marks on my boob when my milk came in. Mm. So the first, and it came on, on, I think it was day three or four. So, you know, the first couple days I was a B cup. I mean, well, I mean, they were bigger from being pregnant, but you know, it's like, it was kind of just normal pregnancy boobs. And then, you know, suddenly my milk came in, in mass quantities. And so, the, but that didn't mean, you know, it's, their tummies are tiny the first couple days. They don't need very much. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How about so. you, Angela, with two? Were you worried at all? Uh, my milk came in probably within the first 10 to 15 hours after. Holy wow. cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the lactation consultants at UCSD were wonderful. Of course, they said, do not pump anymore. Don't do it. <laughs> so did you start pumping initially then? Um, yeah, just um, my son unfortunately had to go to the NICU for okay. just a short stay. Um, so I did pump just so that they had something there. So if he was hungry, they, they did. But um, right away, I mean, I had to switch to, you know, they have the smaller bottles and the bigger bottles for the pump and I had to switch to it right away. So the bigger, the bigger wow. um, supply. Mm-hmm. Things. Your body was ready to make it work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Chelsea, were you nervous at all in the first couple days before fuller milk came in? No, because I think um, it just wasn't something I was that concerned about because I knew that they didn't really need much in the beginning and that they were going to just be nursing all the time anyway. Um, so that wasn't something I was really concerned about. Plus, I think probably within the first 24 hours, I had already started to really feel like my milk was coming in. So it just wasn't something that I was worried about. It just didn't occur to me like, oh no. And he didn't, he didn't really like lose any weight in the hospital. And he had only lost like a couple ounces at his like four day appointment. He literally had lost like two ounces since he was born. So there wasn't really any discrepancies um, there in like a, a massive weight loss or anything that might indicate that he's not quite getting enough. Sure. And I think the thing that you point out too, just the education behind it, um, and Angela as well, like you were prepared, like you knew like your little kiddo was going to be in the NICU for a little bit. So let's get this pump going just to help initiate supply. So I think the hard part with with moms thinking that they don't have enough milk in the first couple days is just not knowing exactly what's expected of their body at that time. So, you know, baby mom's low, mom's milk is actually on the lower side in the beginning um, for several reasons. First, baby's born full of macone. Um, that 
lovely dark tarry poop that needs like 15 wipes to come out of their bottom or wipe them clean and so they need to pass this meconium and so they need to suck a ton to cause peristalsis to get rid of it and so if you had copious amounts of milk it would actually make them quite uncomfortable um and so and like stacy had mentioned tummies are super small like they, they like can the act- size of a marble they are they are they're super small so you know we the colostrum which is mom's first milk is really low in quantity but super high in quality so it's jam-packed with nutrients and antibodies and just the right amount of diuretic to pass that meconium so it's helpful for moms to kind of understand that that first day babies actually only need about five milliliters per feeding for the first 24 hours that's tiny i mean that's barely covers the bottom of a bottle if you were going to measure it in a bottle um and then each day it kind of goes up a little bit so by day two we're looking at about 10 to 15 milliliters per feeding and then by day three up to about 20 25 and then by day four about 30 milliliters but still 30 milliliters is only an ounce per feeding so kind of keeping in that frame of mind like okay this is actually all my body is expected to give and so it kind of relieves the stress and I think the other thing to point out too is that you know until that fuller milk comes in in the first couple days or unless you're Angela and it comes in in about 12 hours um, (laughs) um, colostrum doesn't really leak that much. I mean, it, it, or I should say it doesn't drip. So, you know, when we think of milk, we think of liquidy stuff that we like pour out of a carton and colostrum is thick like maple syrup. And so it might bead up a little bit, um, but it doesn't actually drip. And I remember when I knew when my milk came in, when, (laughs) when we had just gotten home from the pediatrician's office and I was leaning over um, to get something, or my mom was holding our son. And so I leaned over and I had those little, um, cups on because my nipples were hurting really badly and I didn't want anything touching them so there was nothing between there was just like breast and then those cups and then a shirt and I leaned over and my mom was like I think your milk is in and I'm like well how do you know and she's like because you just stripped all over my shoe (laughs) and I was like there we go like the fuller milk is in and it was so true like it had switched over from that kind of sticky stuff to full-on drippage so all right um okay so myth nine is from stacy on facebook and what she wrote was when a baby is underweight just keep latching the baby and feed more often and don't supplement because it will hurt your supply and so this is actually really important myth to bust as well because usually if baby is underweight it means that actually something is going on with either his mom's supply baby's suck effectiveness or sometimes both and so latching the baby and feeding more often isn't always the best or only solution to this situation. And so a baby ineffectively feeding 14 times a day or for an hour long at a time isn't going to solve anything. It's not going to get baby's weight up. And so really a baby that's underweight needs to meet with a lactation consultant to assess what the cause is. Um, One part of the statement, though, is super important, and that supplementation can hurt your milk supply. Um, Supplementation sometimes can, and that's only if mom's not taking measures to protect her milk supply. So, you know, if if a mom is needing to supplement with something other than her own milk, um, she's going to want to stimulate when the baby's not feeding, so either using a pump or, you know, hand expression to help kind of phone in the order to her brain to help increase supply. So that's really the only time that supplementation is going to negatively impact a mom's milk supply is that if there's no excess stimulation, just that what the baby's giving. So um, and then sometimes, you know, making sure that baby's suck is effective, possibly doing some extra pumping to some herbs, sometimes some medication is necessary. Um, but again, when a baby's underway, Wait, we got to assess both mom and baby to see what the cause is because some not just popping the baby on multiple times is is going to always solve the, the issue. Can I throw yeah. in a little something? This, it's just Absolutely. something I 
like come across on the internet kind of in the breastfeeding groups we're in and just have come across with people I meet though on the supplementing herding supply side is um uh I know a lot of moms or I've seen them where they're just like well they're not getting enough and so they give them just a bottle of something but like you were saying they don't do the (coughs) other side of the stimulation and they're so concerned about their supply but they don't really understand how it works so I just like it's just something I'm always like ah because it's like you need to keep it at your breast I think is the best possible way and I you know when we met with you and we were having that struggle you're like you know here's the syringe try to supplement him with your own milk like pump to make the supplement for him Mm -hmm. and then keep it at your breast so that you're getting that stimulation so yeah they need to get checked to see if it's like tongue tie or whatever but keeping it there versus just being like oh here's a bottle because if you're giving them something but then you're not telling your body they had something yeah it's your body's not going to keep making more exactly because they don't need they need it absolutely and that's the key right there is that if you're giving something else you need your body to know that something else was given so and you may in the beginning moms may not be able to if the baby needs an ounce of supplement mom may not actually be able to pump out an ounce but the pumping is what's so crucial to say like okay baby's getting milk from somewhere else so we need your body to do what it can to increase I just come across that so much Mm -hmm. that I'm like please I need people to know this yeah absolutely or the other one I say I would say is that you said you kind of glossed over it because you are a lactation consultant is you need to see a lactation consultant because I see it same thing on the Mm -hmm. Facebook groups all the time be like well my doctor just said I should supplement with formula yeah. And doctors, pediatricians are a doctor for your baby. They're not a lactation consultant for baby and mom. That's a great point. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And again, the and one of the things I mentioned to moms as well is just exact, you nailed it on the head, that pediatricians are, they have to be concerned for the baby. Like they want to make sure the baby's gaining weight and getting healthy and stuff. But sometimes they forget the component that, well, the mom is the one who's trying to make the baby healthy. And if they we don't usually just kind mom. of bulldoze the mom, yeah. I think, a lot of times. And you're like, whoa. Exactly. And so. <laughs> So mom needs that support to make sure that her supply doesn't yeah. plummet while baby is in turn getting exactly. weight up. The doctor's job is to make sure the baby's gaining weight. They don't care how as much. And the lactation consultant's job is to make sure that mom's milk supply is providing what baby needs. Yeah. All right. And our last myth, myth number 10, is that a mom cannot increase her milk supply after the first two weeks. And this one is absolutely not true. Um, yes, the first 10 days are super critical. Um, that's when prolactin, which is a hormone that is released from the anterior pituitary gland, that stimulates milk supply production, um, it spikes after the placenta is delivered. And those levels are the highest between day 10. So if you're a numbers person, we're looking at 200 nanograms per milliliter. And so between 10 to 90 days, that prolactin can actually fluctuate from about 60 to 110 nanograms per milliliter, and then it drops below 60. So you can see that the highest point is in those first 10 days, but then between 10 and 90 days, we have a lot of room to work with. Um, And then other hormones such as progesterone, estrogen, insulin, cortisol, and thyroxine can play a huge role in this as well. So And then another thing is that the huge component is milk removal. So the fuller the breast, the slower the milk production. So the more frequently the breast is emptied, the faster that milk production occurs. So if a mom needs to increase her supply after a baby's two weeks old, she should really meet with a knowledgeable lactation consultant, again, to assess baby's suck effectiveness and mom's medical history. Um, We've had several episodes on the boob group that talk about the topic of low milk supply and tests that can be done to check hormone levels as a way to increase mom's supply. Um, 
um, as well as with extra stimulation, herbs, and medication if necessary. So again, first two weeks are important, but they are not the end-all be-all to increasing a mom's supply. So it's a great myth I love to bust all the time. So so that is the end of our show. Thank you so much to our panelists for joining in on this conversation about breastfeeding myths and misconceptions about supply. It's always fun bantering with you guys and hearing about all of your advice as well. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as we will discuss myth number 11 from Melanie, which is if I'm not making enough milk in the beginning and need to supplement that I won't ever make enough milk. So we will be busting that myth for our Boob Group Club members. And for more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. Here is a question from one of our listeners. This is from Jessie, and this is what she wrote. I'm concerned I'm not making enough milk for my two-week-old daughter. I've heard fenugreek can produce milk. Any advice? Hi, Boob Group listeners. This is Veronica Tingzon, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, owner of the Original Comfort Food in San Diego, California. Jesse, first of all, I don't treat you as a patient, so I don't know if you truly do not have enough milk or what may be going on. So first of all, the first thing I want to tell you is that you should be seeing a lactation consultant, whether it's at a breastfeeding support group, at a La Leche League meeting, or if you hire a lactation consultant personally, or if your doctor, uh, pediatrician, or your hospital offer some type of lactation clinic services, you should take advantage of that. Um, Greek is a great herb that enhances milk production. It doesn't actually produce milk. The only thing that produces milk is the baby latching on or a pump going to your breast and making that stimulation send a signal to your brain, which then tells your brain to make milk and send it to your breast. That is what produces milk. Nothing else produces milk. And a lot of people have this misconception that doing this or doing that, eating this food, drinking this supplement, drinking more water produces milk. And that is a very, very erroneous um, assumption. So... With that said, there are foods and herbs and things that do help with the production, much like if you were dieting and you were exercising and eating right, you can take pills that could perhaps help you shed that weight faster. It's the same thing. If you're doing all the steps to make the milk, like pumping and breastfeeding well, then the next Step is to add on top of that um, herbal supplements like fenugreek. Um, there's um, lots of different herbs that you can take, and you can take herbs in combinations. And there's even um, supplement products out there that actually have all those herbs blended into them. Fenugreek is kind of the lower man on the totem pole uh, first try or first line of defense when it comes to the herbal supplements. There's also blessed thistle. There's also uh, marshmallow root. There's also goat's root, something called shatavari. Um, and then there's even the uh, prescription drugs like Reglan and Domperidone, which also have the byproduct of making more milk or enhancing that production as well. Um, so, yes, go ahead and try the fenugreek and... Um, 
what you can do is there's a couple of great websites that have some wonderful information about herbal lactagogues, which are the herbal supplements that support lactation. Um, the first is mobimotherhood.org. That's M-O-B-I-M-O-T-H-E-R-H-O-O-D dot O-R-G. And lowmilksupply.org, L-O-W-M-I-L-K-S-U-P-P-L-Y. Org. These are two really great websites that can help you um, kind of decipher your way through which supplements you think might help you the best. Um, it gives you some um, typical dosaging amounts, and it gives you um, a place to start on maybe kind of figuring out why it might be that you've got some lowered milk supply but I really, really highly encourage you seeing a lactation consultant because that's going to get you the best information faster than anything else. And the other thing, I do suggest that you do pump after you breastfeed during those waking hours and do some more stimulation to your breasts, and that is really going to give you a bigger kick. Don't worry about how much you're collecting. You're pumping for stimulation, not volume. I hope this helps. Thanks for calling. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents. Our show, Parent Savers, for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers. And our show, Twin Talks, for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.